Hey there, it's Bailey Hancock, career happiness strategist, creator of The One Year Career, and your host of The Bailey Hancock Show, a podcast that helps people figure out how to make big career moves with small steps. Navigating your career doesn't have to suck. I'm here to help you learn to love the process. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of The Bailey Hancock Show. I have a really fun person on today. Her name's Jen Brown, and she does improv. She teaches improv for all kinds of people, but her company's called The Engaging Educator. And Jen and I have a really fun conversation about being your authentic self, about how to relax in every situation, how to roll with it, how to go with the yes and improv tactic. And I think you'll really enjoy this episode. So stick around. She's coming up next. All right. Jen, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I want to give everybody a little bit of background on, on Jen and who she is before we kick things off. But we are so lucky today to have Jen. You're going to have to help me with your last name that isn't Brown. I was going to say, you could just say Brown, but it's okay. check. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Jen, that Brown. Um, <laughs> Jen runs the Engaging Educator, which is a New York City, Los Angeles, and Winston-Salem based company that improves speaking, listening, and conversation skills through improv. And she has a special focus on empowering women and bringing out your authentic and unapologetic voice, which I love. Uh, she helps people be the best, best versions of themselves since 2012. And the Engaging Educator has reached over three, sorry, 30,000, there's an extra zero there, 30,000 students, which is absolutely <laughs> incredible. So I'm really excited to have Jen. I feel like improv skills are something that we're always told we should improve upon because it helps in so many areas, but I feel like most people hate the idea of being vulnerable and doing improv. So I'm very excited to hear how you actually get adults to do this and actually want to do it and be able to use it in their lives. So yeah, why don't you kind of go ahead and give us a background on why improv and, and how this has all transpired. Sure thing. So when I was an actor in undergrad, I was a theater and dance major and I loved it. It was in Milwaukee, so it was really friendly. Everyone was great. And then I moved out to Chicago and again, loved it because I was an improviser. So I trained at Second City, had oh, a lot cool. of good luck. Yeah, it was, it was like those, those amazing moments that you wait for as an actor. And then I moved out to New York and I was like, oh, I'm going to love it. And it was a lot of waitressing and a lot of free jobs. <laughs> and I think that's just like the, the hustle is there in every career. But my, my teacher in undergrad, my advisor actually told me, if you love anything more than acting, go do that. So having that moment of like, all right, I'm going to go do something else. So then I went back to school for art history and started working in museums. And I was kind of like, meh, it's fun. I don't know if I want to do this. And I realized that a lot of my colleagues, they were lacking the skills to really be flexible and to pivot and to be just with the group and present. So I started teaching them improv classes. And in, in, in the meantime, I was still at my comedy theater that I was performing at off Broadway. So it was still improv, like whose line is it anyways type improv. And I realized there wasn't a lot of classes out there for uh, people who were just like not interested in being an actor. They were mm. just wanted to do exactly what you said is like apply it in that buzz way of, oh, I need to practice improv skills to be flexible and pivot. Right. So I started the engaging educator and I was really just going to work with educators. Like, kid you not, it was like, I'm just going to work with teachers. That's it. 
Oh, so it started for educators. That makes mm -hmm. sense. <laughs> yeah, and that's why, and it's so funny because now like looking back, I'm like, I love my name, but it doesn't make as much sense anymore because we had two people from Saks Fifth Avenue sign up for class. And then that was like my first corporate client because they hired me to teach a three-year program with them. And then from there, we just started working with everyone except for actors. So now we work with everyone except for actors. And it's it's been... I think that is the key to getting people and adults wanting to do it because there's not someone in the class that's like really freaking amazing. Right. Like, not intimidated by somebody yeah, else. Absolutely. And we're all kind of risking our own vulnerability because everyone's a professional. So yeah. that's like that moment of, oh, I don't want to look silly in front of this really awesome actor. It doesn't happen. It's like, oh, well, we're all looking silly. It's okay. Right. That's really amazing. That's very cool. Yeah. I, I have a love hate relationship with improv myself. I love it when I'm doing it, but I hate it leading up to the moment that it's about to happen because mm -hmm. it is so unknown, but I think there's no skill better for, you know, preparing people to be that, you know, flexible, mm -hmm. adaptable person that we all are required to be in every area of our life. Um, one of the first things I thought of when hearing what you did with the engaging educator was, oh my gosh, how perfect must this be for people who are trying to get less awkward, say, in networking situations mm -hmm. or in a job interview situation, rolling with the punches. Do you have a lot of people or anybody that comes in kind of with specific things like that in mind? Oh, it seems like everyone comes in with some specific reason. One of the first questions we ask students is like, hey, why are you here? Like, did you sign up because someone made you come or did you sign up because you read about it or are you here to work on something? Mm -hmm. And this idea of like career change, leveling up at work, going in for an interview, about to go into a period where they're not going to have a job. And at the same time, people that are going through huge changes in their life, like we've had a lot of end of relationships, mm. broken fiances, like things like that come in too. It, it's that idea of like a change is going to happen. And change is scary. And those situations like networking and interviewing are really awkward. So I want to get better at it. And right. people come in with those, those ideas. And it's awesome when they know what they want out of it. Because then we can tailor the program to really connect with those goals. That makes a lot of sense. So what's, what are some like very bite-sized pieces of advice you give people as it relates to, we'll start at the beginning of the process, going to a networking event, they're maybe starting to consider moving on from their current company. They haven't been in the game for a while. They haven't probably been as good about making new relationships or keeping up the ones that they had. So they're ready to go into that first networking event. They're terrified out of their mind. They have their business cards, but they don't know what they're going to say and do. What would you say to somebody going into that scenario? The first advice I, I always give people, whether they're in class or we're coaching, is before you go into any situation like that, is take some deep breaths for yourself. Like, be in your car, be outside, be on the train. Don't go in until you take a minute and take a few just really deep breaths like, okay, I'm here, I'm centered, I'm ready. And then a lot of it is about listening and being yourself. So listening is really key. A lot of times we go in and we're like, I have to talk to this person. I have to say this. I have to make sure I get myself out there. And we end up not paying attention to the people in front of us, where if we just take a step back and like not even hit hard with an elevator pitch or I'm so-and-so and I'm here to do this. Right. Like, just don't go in just with be that a person. Right? Yes, just be human. And we're, we're all stacks of resumes. 
it's the, that personal connection that really makes a difference. So practicing active listening, which is truly an improv skill because you like have that's to, a life skill. <laughs> it is. And it's, it's one of those things like just listening and remembering two points or a question you can ask that doesn't insert yourself into the conversation. It really has to show the person that you're paying attention to them. That's going to make you stand out because so many people are agenda oriented. They're like, I have to meet five people and hand out my cards to five people. And it's, it's too much. Just be, like you said, be a person, be a human a person. I know I teach a class on networking. It's called how to make networking less awkward. Mm -hmm. And the amount of people that come in there, they're just like, please help. This is terrible. I hate this. Mm -hmm. And I think you're totally right. Like people come in with their goals in mind, but not even really good goals. They're just like, just survive, hand out your business cards, mm -hmm. you know, do what you got to do. And they don't come in thinking about, well, what's best case scenario. And I think a lot of times people forget that when you're meeting somebody new, one of the most important things you can do is hear what they're saying and then immediately not repeat it back to them, but show that you are listening and then maybe provide something that's beneficial for them. So if they said, yeah, I'm actually here looking for a new job too, obviously then find out in what industry, maybe you know somebody, maybe they want your job that you're trying to get rid of. Who knows? Maybe you guys can swap, do like a, you know, a holiday scenario where you just trade mm -hmm. up. Um, so yeah, those are all really solid points. And that, I mean, that's good for networking. It's good for human meeting, dating. <laughs> I think you saying that. And that's so, that's, I'm glad you give that advice because I think so many people, they, they skip that moment of asking someone like, so why are you here? And finding out more about that other person, they're just ready to kind of recite the script that they may have practiced. And when I'm at networking stuff, I can tell when someone's oh, like, oh, you know, immediately. Or, oh, and I'm like, just calm, be yourself right now. You're probably amazing. You just look really awkward right now. So take a breath. And it weird me out, man. <laughs> just relax. Yeah. People get very in their heads. I mean, we all do it. Everybody, even the extroverts among us still come in with a script. And it's, I think as soon as somebody takes you off script, which I want to hear more from your perspective on this, it's knowing how to pivot and it's knowing how to, to go with that flow and not getting thrown off and then not knowing how to keep the conversation up. It's like work in bullet points, people like work with what you've got and don't worry so much if it's exactly according to script. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And that idea of pivoting is such a, it, that, that's probably one of the biggest things that people also come in with aside from I'm going through a change and I want to be a better speaker or more confident. They're like, I need to know how to pivot. I need to know how to be flexible. And again, with that, a lot of it's just listening and paying attention because if you're so fixated on your end goal the whole time, then you're not going to be listening to the here and now. And if you're just paying attention to the here and now and responding to it, impromptu conversation is not nearly as scary as people think it is because you're just listening. That's it. And mm -hmm. re reacting. And the thing is, if someone nowadays, I think finding a job, finding a career, finding connections is so much about that human connection as well. And that who you, who, who you know and how you're coming across and how well you work with other people. But if you're just listening and having a real conversation versus touting all of your accolades or talking about all the great stuff that you are, then you're going to seem so much more easy to work with and like a better person. And, and that thinking of it is like, oh, I have to pivot versus, oh, I have to listen and actually talk to a person. And again, be a human. 
<laughs> and, and just, just respond is, is such an easier way to think of it versus building it up in your head as this scary situation. Right. I always say anytime I'm getting in my own way about being intimidated by a person that I have to reach out to or talk mm -hmm. to, I just remind myself they are probably somebody's idiot brother or sister or embarrassing college roommate or whatever. You know, mm -hmm. everybody's just a person. Absolutely. Despite their title, despite the company that they run or that they work for, we're all just people trying to figure this shit out. Nobody knows what they're doing. We're all making our best guesses. <laughs> just relax already. These are pep talks I give to myself in the car, by the way. Same, I actually, before I email or go out to right. things. I'm very yeah. like, all right, all right, we're all just a little weird. It's fine. <laughs> and it's okay. <laughs> we're all just a bunch of weirdos trying to make it, you know, mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Um, okay, so then pivoting to the next stage, I guess, of the job search process, right? Okay, so you've gone to a networking event, you've hopefully made a couple good connections, which, by the way, I always say to like, aim to talk to five to 10% of the room. Don't have some crazy outrageous goal of like 90% of the people there because you're not going to remember them and they're not going to remember you. So say you got five good contacts, you followed up, you've done the whole thing, you found yourself with a job interview, which is amazing. You get in there and arguably this is one of the most intimidating moments of most people's lives is that first job interview where nobody's telling the truth, if we're being honest. Like everybody's trying to impress the other person. Everybody's putting the special shine on the situation. You know, no job is as good as they position it to you in the beginning. But um, so how do you go in and be your authentic natural self and really let your personality shine and your skills speak for themselves as opposed to being rehearsed again? I think the biggest, I, I sound a bit like a broken record sometimes, and just having the idea of listening and responding is such a really important aspect of interviewing. There are a few things that you can prep. Like I tell people, always just think about like, how would you, don't write it out word for word, but how would you describe your three best qualities or your three worst qualities or things that you need to work on, and then talk about it as much as possible to every single person that you possibly can. Talk about it to your friend, your spouse, your dog, your cat, <laughs> whatever you need to, just to get those words comfortable in your mouth. Mm. Because that way you sound a little more like yourself every time. You're not memorizing it. You're just talking about things. And then this is like a very secret, like non-nervous trick for people. You're sitting in a chair. This is, this is going to sound hilarious. If you're sitting in a chair, you have to unclench your butt. This works for standing <laughs> too. It's legit. So, so there's a video that I just took. I was doing a, a trainer. I was training. Oh, I just did it. I'm so and relaxed now. <laughs> so when you, when you clench your butt, and I hope people listening to this try it, when you clench your butt and say hello, your voice actually sounds tighter and more nervous. So we both can try it. So right, you were we literally a tight ass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like clench, clench your butt and say hello and just talk for a little hello. bit. Hello. Okay. So you sound a little like heady voice and now let go and unclench your butt. Hello. Hi. Right? Oh, so man. I just, the, that was almost like sex operator level of relaxed voice. <laughs> it's super crazy. But as women, especially, we hold tension like in our, in our like hip, probably like that whole suck it in kind of thing. Oh, yeah. And then we're also, never not sucked in. Exactly. And butt is always clenched. Yes. So when you're sitting, if you unclench and you're sitting there, like we get the energy we project out. So if you're walking into that room and you're sitting there and you're all nervous and awkward, that interviewer is probably already feeling nervous and awkward. They're not unclenching their butt, but also they're like, they, it's, it's awkward. Interviews are terrible. It's Nobody likes them on either no. end. It's so just worst. be relaxed while you're sitting there and the energy you project out 
if that is the energy that you have, like, hey, you're a normal, non-sociopathic, normal, happy person, and whatever normal means for you, sure, it's versus being fake or putting on, like, relax and 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 just respond. First, if you're not a smiley person, don't smile all the time. If you're not a, a funny person, don't try to make jokes. So just answer honestly. What if you think you're funny, <laughs> but you're not actually a funny person? <laughs> oh, but, and, and that's the thing. Like, it's, it's hilarious how many people, they're like, I'm really funny. Oh, God. Like, oh. I feel like if you say that, it's almost guaranteed. It's like when people say, I'm going to keep this short. You're like, great. I'm in it for the long haul. <laughs> yes. It's, it's kind of, if you're, if you're that person that even makes like awkward puns or anything like that, and that's you, that's, what's going to make you stand out as you. If, if that's not you and you don't ever make jokes and you're like, I'm going to make a joke today. I'm going to be a joke guy. Yes. Oh, I was coaching someone for his first presentation and great, great guy. And he wanted to open with this like awful, awful joke about how you've heard a lot of speakers today and I'm the most attractive one. And I was like, no, you can't can't say that, actually. (laughs) And he ended up making a joke anyway in the beginning, but it was a joke that worked for him versus this hockey kind of whatever. And it looked fake. And when we recorded it and I had him watch it, he was like, oh, I look awful. And I was like, yeah, don't do that. Not funny. I think that's a big piece too. And I don't know if this fits into anything, but seeing yourself recorded the way that you speak you don't often see yourself, right? And I mean, granted, yes, we're in the selfie culture and Insta stories and all of that. But like for the average person, you're not looking at yourself when you're talking. So sometimes you make weird faces that you're not aware of. Mm-hmm. Or yeah, you do weird things when you're nervous that you probably are not aware of. Do you have any tips for like acknowledging and moving past that? Watching yourself on video is both amazing and dangerous at the same time. It's my least favorite thing on the planet. It took me two years to watch my TEDx talk. And literally it took my, my boyfriend, my now husband at the time, holding my head up to look at it. Cause I was like this, I did not want to look at it. And I was an actor. The, The thing is though, when you get comfortable with that, then it's so, so powerful. So I think the first thing is to watch yourself when you're having a good day. Like, don't watch yourself when you're having one of those days where you're like, everything is wrong. You just want to cry. You want to put your head in the sand. Like, that is not a good day to watch yourself. Right. And then always watch yourself for short little spurts and have someone there with you that you really trust because we're always mm-hmm. going to be harder on ourselves than, than anyone else will. I, I had a, a friend, a ex-business partner, actually, not really a friend anymore, and you'll hear why in a moment probably. Oh but he said, your, your face is very much uh, like a Muppet face. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> you make weird expressions. And I was like very self-conscious about it. And now I really like, I, I'm like, I have zero fucks. Sorry, I hope I can do that. Like, you're <laughs> oh, gone. Fantastic. And in, in that sense of I'm, I'm me and I make weird faces sometimes and I'm really expressive and I don't care. At the time though, when I was starting my business, I was so caught up in my head about that. So it took other people saying, that's you though. Like you making weird faces and you, not even weird, just very expressive faces. faces. Yeah. And so having people that are very supportive watching it with you really help. And then the other tip is really, that, that's why we teach improv because you're in the moment, you're present and other people can give you that feedback without you watching it. 
So having yeah. a class or anything and say, hey, can you really watch like how I move my arms or can you watch how I fill in my filler words and say, um, uh, and, and just getting someone to be like your buddy in all of this mm-hmm. is a really, really helpful thing because it also holds you accountable, right? Okay, so we're in that interview. Our butt is unclenched. We are being ourselves, Muppet faces and all. Um, so say like a question comes across that you just really were not expecting. I absolutely hate, and it's becoming regular now, but I hate the question of like, if you were a kitchen utensil, which one would you be? Because like, what exactly are we looking for there? Like, what's the goal of that question? Is there a right answer? Is there not? Is like a spoon a bad thing or a good thing? Either way, so say this comes across and you genuinely have no fucking clue how to respond to this in, a, in the right way. How do you use improv skills to like go with it? I think that's the first thing to realize and take from improv, that there is no right way. It's a weird question. Like answering okay, it good. is the I'm right way. I'm not the only one that feels No, that. I was, when you said that, I was like, have you heard it. that before? It's awful. No, it's yeah. awful. No, thank you. Like, what would you say to that? I would, well, I really like cooking. So I see, I'm going to come across as like a crazy, like psychopath here. I'm like, I would be one of our really cool knives because <laughs> I'm like, I like, I'm on it a lot and I don't oh. miss a beat. So our knife is really sharp. And so. And so if you don't watch, watch yourself, you might cut you, you know? Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> so like, don't fuck with her on the job because she will cut Basically. You. I think the, the best, the best advice like to think about that weird questions like that is to first realize that there's no right or wrong. Improv is you do it. You, you don't talk about doing it. You do it. You're there. You fail. You fail grandly. You go out there. And, and the only true failure in the sense of the word is not doing anything. So that's, that's the, the wrong answer is not answering. I think the right answer, if it, what they're looking for is for you to talk about equality in the end, thinking about weird questions like that, like what animal would you be? What room in your right. house? So starting to talk about the quality first and then while you're talking about it in not like a snowball, really quick manner, slowly enough where you have a few pauses to think, then think about the kitchen appliance that attaches to it or the room or the animal. So if you like what I was, when you said that, I was like, oh, well, I'm really sharp. And people say in class, I don't miss a beat. Oh, knife. Great. Sharp knife. There we are. You started with the quality and worked your way to the utensil. Mm -hmm. And I think another, like when anything comes up that's unexpected is just taking a moment and a pause to think. Because if you start rolling with an answer and you're adding all of these filler words um, uh, and like, you know, all of that garbage, you're going to look nervous. So if you take a second even to say like, let me think about this and really use that time, that pause is never as long as you think it is. It feels like a hundred years. <laughs> right. But pausing is like this amazing, con- to, to be able to take a pause to say, I'm going to pause right now. That is so confident because it feels like a million years because generally we pause when we're like stuck or we don't know what to say next. But to say like, let me think about this and take a moment to think, like don't look down because that'll hurt your confidence. Like look up or out if you're thinking. Mm-hmm. Don't stare awkwardly at the person. Stare them dead in the eyes. <laughs> you did this. Exactly. <laughs> And even acknowledge, like, I've never had that question before. Let me think about it. 
because they probably read about, God, I can't even believe that's a question. I'm like very weirded out right now. There's a lot of bad interview questions. I I actually, I'm going to ask people now, what's the weirdest question they've ever gotten in an interview that's clearly trying to be different and like catch you off guard? To me, that's what that question is, is like, how quickly can you think on your feet and be creative or, you know, I don't know. That's the only thing that makes sense to me. Otherwise, really, what are we doing here? Yeah. Maybe be creative, catch you off guard, or maybe they read about it as like best questions to ask. Because I feel like I've done some of those interviews with people of like, what's the best interview question to ask? Like answered for reporters. And I'm always very honest, like ask them qualities, see what they need help with. And I don't know who would say that kitchen utensil. I'm going to ask my husband that later. So it's funny because I've never actually thought about what my answer would be. And the first thing visually that came to my mind, which makes no sense, was that weird pasta spatula thing with the hole in the middle that has the little like legs. What the hell is that called? Whatever. Um, I I don't know. Getty like tool. I've called it the noodler. I don't know. I don't think it's the noodle. (laughs) Trademarked now as of today by the engaging educator, the noodler. (laughs) I know that's the first thing that came to my mind. And now I'm like trying to work backwards and unpack what that actually means psychologically. And maybe it's like, I like getting groups of people together and like, I don't, that's all I've got. I don't know. That sounds great. You told it, you could make that an answer so that everyone that's listening Think of your kitchen utensil because clearly everyone's going to ask that now. From now on. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I don't know. That's a weird one. Okay, cool. So yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to, I really liked what you said about taking that moment because it's almost like with you doing that, you take control of the situation. Mm -hmm. You're not scrambling under their question, you know, trying to figure it out on the fly. You're like, I'm in control. This answer is important. So I'm going to take a beat and give it a second in my brain. Um, I think the way that I've responded to stupid questions like that, that I think are stupid at least, I'm usually the one that says, what are you hoping to get from this question? Let's just, (laughs) and that, I mean, but that shows a lot about who I am too. I'm like, why are we beating around the bush here? What's the goal here? Can we just get to the point? I'll answer it, but like, tell me why. And so, that's the thing, like not a lot of people are confident enough to say that or to ask that. So if that's the kind of person you are, awesome. Because then that, again, it, it turns the table. It like gives you control of the situation in not a really pushy kind of way. You're like, really, I want to know what you want from this. Help me help you kind of thing. Exactly. That to me is like, if we're in an interview, we both know what's happening here. You need somebody to fill the role. I need a job. Obviously, I'm interested enough to be here unclenching my butt next to you. (laughs) (laughs) Let's work together here to see if this is actually a good fit and not dance around this ridiculous scenario that we all find ourselves in, you know? Absolutely. I have a lot of goals and dreams as it relates to the hiring process, but that's neither here nor there. There's a lot wrong with it. So if you're out there and you're in the middle of it, Godspeed, good luck. I'm thinking of you. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And it's, it's, I've seen like, we actually were part of, I won't mention what, in what company, cause we do a lot of corporate consulting. We had potential hires go through an improv class and we were watching them on the side and like judging their ability to do these things. And I sat down with the hiring manager. I was like, well, that was fun. I don't know what we actually got out of this because well, what was the goal there. 
I think they were trying to see how they rolled in the moment. And for me, I ended up like improv is so much more than that. And just like yeah. rolling in the moment. It's I feel like, like that's a very simplification, you know, right. of improv. Well, it's also there, it's wrong because there's so many rules and structures mm-hmm. and things that attach to improv. Like don't say no and believe in the reality and really just do it and don't talk about doing it. And people are like, oh, it's just spontaneous and crazy. And I'm like, oh, no, not really. That won't work. Yeah. It was, it was just very awkward because it didn't get them the results they wanted. And we ended up coming back for a training session with their new hires. And some of their hires were like, I remember you. That was awesome. It was terrifying. And I'm like, yeah, don't, don't include improv in your hiring process. Like, that's like, first of all, that's just mean. It's like (laughs) the only people you would attract by doing that, like if they knew the process was improv followed by interview or some variation thereof, you would only attract psychopaths, like Mm -hmm. egomaniac psychopaths Mm -hmm. who are like, I love it. (laughs) Like, why? No, nobody loves any of this, but it is something that you do. And you know, it's part Mm -hmm. of the process. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Oh man. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway. Um, okay. So let's go into an on the job scenario. So we've got this job. We did a great job unclenching and improving and being a noodler, if that's who you are. Mm-hmm. Um, how can you use any sort of improv skills on your, you know, in your day-to-day basis? Say, obviously, of course, depends on the kind of role that you have, but Say you're having to deal with just um, a boss that's like on a rampage or they're having a rough day or they just got yelled at by their boss or you've got a coworker who, you know, is, is slacking and putting their work off on you. Like what in this world um, that you're involved in with improv can kind of tap into those moments where you just need a little bit of structure and also flexibility? Ooh, yes, and is like the secret sauce to absolutely any conflict, ideation session, meeting, anything. So what that, what that involves is not being a yes person. It's really, really important to differentiate between saying yes to everything and burning out and getting taken advantage of and then saying yes and. So don't burn out. Don't get taken advantage of. You are not a doormat. You are not a doormat. That's like the <laughs> biggest. People hear it and they're like, I have to say yes. You are simply affirming someone else and adding information. It Mm. is the opposite of using the word but. So using that example of a boss like freaking out and going on a rampage, you can say, I hear that you're upset and I want to help you. Tell me how. Or a coworker is slacking off. And getting the initiative to actually say some of these things, I understand, is a very difficult thing as well. Definitely for the conflict avoider among us. Absolutely. And if someone says, hey, I need you to do this for me, you can say, I hear that you need me to do this for you and I don't have time right now. Can we talk about it? And you're opening a can of worms with saying the and versus the but. Because if you think of those two situations again, I hear that you're upset, but I don't know how to help you. You've pitted two ideas against one another. And then again, with that coworker that's slacking off, Like, I hear that you need me to do this, but I don't have time. It sounds like you're throwing it off. Right. Changing your language around to get rid of that word, but immediately makes you non-confrontational in a sense that you aren't starting fights Mm -hmm. and you're also not elevating ideas against one another. So if you're in a meeting and someone says, let's say you're, you're in charge of a group or your boss is in charge of you and you propose an idea or someone does and there's no money for it. There's two different things that can be said. It's a great idea, but we don't have money for it. Stops the conversation. 
Mm. Great idea. And we don't have money for it. Let's talk about how we can do that. These are both true things. Exactly. And and the word and is literally an equal sign in the English language. And the word but, like, it changes uh, dynamics so often because you're pitting two things, again, against one another. You're also elevating one thing above another. So in improv, you're always building. And that's where that yes and comes in. You can literally say yes and add the and. You sound a little strange sometimes. So like think the yes, like you are upset, you are angry, you need this, and I da-da-da-da-da. It's it's one of those things that it turns almost any conflict on its head. And and now that I've said this, you're going to hear in your life the people that say but all the time. Maybe it's you. I used to butt myself all the time. Like this conversation. This has been a very butt focused. I was going to say, there's a lot of butts today. The thinking about, butt thinking about like when you're presenting an idea, a lot of times we say butt even, and we, we offer a secondary idea that we don't believe in as much. Mm. And what that ends up doing is you're discounting your first one in a little bit. So I think that when you're on the job and you're ready and, and you come up with problems or you want to shine with teamwork, like having that and in your back pocket and affirming and elevating and affirming and adding is so much more powerful than being that naysayer butt person all the time. Yeah. And I think, again, it's taking the power back of the situation. Mm-hmm. You're not being put upon by anybody else or the victim of a situation. Instead, you're saying, I hear you. I acknowledge you. I see you. Mm-hmm. Here's how I can actually support you, even if it's not anytime soon or yeah. So Absolutely. And that, powerful. yeah, that, that, that what you just said is like having that, I hear you, I acknowledge you and see you. That's exactly right. Because you're affirming someone like, I hear you. I see you. And, and that's sometimes, sometimes all they actually want. Absolutely. That's so, I mean, and that's what I tell people all the time. Like, just try it. Like you, you're hearing us talk about it and you go out and you try it and you see that that really does something to an upset person, someone that needs to be heard. They need that moment for you to say, I hear you. I understand. I'm listening. I think empathy is a trait that everybody could stand to get better at. You know, we all have these gut reactions with situations that come up and usually we take a defensive position right off the bat. It happens to me. I'll get an email that I don't like and I'll immediately get enraged and want to respond right away with, how dare you? And I find that if I take a step away and I, you know, go do something else for a minute, come back with fresh eyes and try and put myself in that position's place. This happened very recently on Instagram. Somebody didn't like that I posted one of their photos without their permission, even though I you know, mention them and I tagged them and all that stuff. And my initial thought was, it's Instagram. Fuck off. Like, this is what it is. And I walked away and I came back and I was like, okay, what would make somebody say this to me? Clearly, I'm probably not the first person that's done this. They're probably coming from a place of feeling taken advantage of and that people aren't respecting their work that they make money from. So let me come at it from that angle. And it ended up changing the way that I repost content entirely now. Like now I have this whole script that I send to people asking for permission first. And everybody that has written back has been like, wow, that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah, you can use it. I appreciate you. Thanks. And I was like, great. And it gave me a chance to express my gratitude for their content Mm -hmm. instead of just having them see it pop up, be like, oh, okay, I guess they liked my content because they reposted. And all all that's to say that Sometimes when you just come at it from that empathetic place of the, okay, yes, I hear you, I acknowledge you, I see you. How can I come at you in a way that's going to feel 
Like I'm thinking of you first when in reality I'm protecting myself as well. And we're hopefully both coming out equal on the other side. And that's, a, that's such a, and I, I, I hate what I'm about to say. So it, I don't believe in being an adult at any point. It's so adult of you to do that because it's very, I have moments. I know it's amazing. Like I, I'm, I'm all about not growing up at the same time. Respect is such a huge, huge thing in all stages of life, business work. So for you to take that moment and like step back and give yourself that like, all right, let me think about where this person's coming from. And then now to move forward, that idea of growth is, is something that I think that we don't acknowledge and like celebrate enough because now look what you look like to every single person after that. Like you're so professional because you are ahead of it mm-hmm. and you're connecting with it. And that's something that I feel that people underestimate that, that uh, getting ahead of something or being very respectful regarding a situation. So I hope that a person appreciates that they changed you for the better. I wrote them back afterwards and I was like, not only did, you know, you open my eyes to something entirely new. I'm, I have a whole new practice of doing this now. So thank you for speaking up and, you know, I'm glad I could acknowledge this and we've moved past this and I'm not mad. You're not mad. Everybody's cool. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think all of these situations we've talked about today where improv can help you, what it probably all boils down to is respect and empathy and recognizing that everybody's probably working from a script of some sort in their minds. And if you can acknowledge that you're all just trying to do everything to the best of your ability and you're all just trying, like we said, we're a bunch of, you know, weirdos that are just trying to figure things out together, then it levels everybody out. And then you remember like, we're all on the same page. Like we're all just people. Mm -hmm. We're all just trying to go about things in the best way that we can. Let's just start from that point and then go from there. And I think there's a lot more transparency and honesty that comes from that starting point. And thinking about like that connection with improv, even like a big rule rule again is to take care of your teammate, like take care of one another because improv is not stand up. You're not standing out there with a script that you rehearsed and you're making people laugh, which stand up is so contrived and so rehearsed it involves the audience. If you think of improv, it's never a single person. So you're taking care of one another because you don't want to throw someone into a situation that they won't be able to handle. You always have someone else's back. So that idea of respect and then what goes into empathy, like we tell people like, be more empathetic. Well, what are the things that happen in empathy? Right. Yeah. No, it's funny. I always, whenever I think of bad improv, I think of Michael Scott from The Office. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. If anybody remembers The Office, when Michael Scott was like part of this improv troupe and they clearly didn't want him there because he was horrible at it. He would just take over with his rehearsed scene and -hmm. it would throw everybody else off. He also happened to be a horrific boss. And I think there's, you know, no surprise in that comparison that it's like when you're too rigid and you're too stuck to your own script, whether it's in your head or it's something you've been learned, you know, you've taught, sorry, you've been (laughs) taught and that you've learned, um, then you have a really hard time adapting to the people that are actually in front of you and around you, which is when the good stuff happens. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And it's, it's that, yeah, it's just get, get out of your head is something that I find that a lot of our, the people coming, they're like, Oh, I need to get out of my head and I don't know how. And improv really provides you with those tools to like get out of your head. I think in that sense of we've had people come in and they're like, I overthink things. And I'm like, well, try this and see what happens. And at first you're like, Oh, I feel like I'm being silly and weird and all of that. And it's like, 
no, no, that's good. Like that's, that's getting out of your head. That's what that looks like is not thinking and mulling that over a hundred times being like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. This is terrible. And again, tying it back to like that, watching yourself and, and viewing yourself. Like if you're going to sit there and overthink how your face moves when you say a certain word or how your head moves or how your mouth moves, then, then don't let yourself get more in your head with things like that. Like, like step back and take that moment to really digest. Yeah. Yeah. All I think about when I see myself on video is, do I need Botox? Cause I didn't think <laughs> I make a lot of faces, uh, that involve me scrunching my eyebrows together because I think I'm either thinking really hard or I think whatever somebody's saying is stupid, um, which is not a good thing to portray. That's not very improv focused. That's not very yes. And that's pretty butt heavy, but <laughs> It's who you, I mean, if it's who you are, if you're slightly like sassy and cynical, then it's. No, not me at all. No, I can't tell. Yeah, no, (laughs) not in the least. Um, Really though, it's like, you're not, what I tell people and and clients and people looking for jobs and everyone is, you're not pizza. Not everyone is going to like you. And that's so, it's so true. when That sucks though. It does. I want everybody and their mailman to like me. It does. Hard. And it's, it's okay if people don't like you, like it's, if, if you, if everyone likes you, then you're not doing anything that's, that's above or different from the status quo. And if you want everyone to like you, if that's your goal, by all means, that is a really hard goal to achieve that's because true. some people are just unhappy. Some people are just like nasty human beings. They don't like puppies or anything else. So it, it's that idea of like, just like, there are people that are going to love you. There's people that are going to hate you and it's okay. It's just, it's you. If you're comfortable with who you are and you are happy, not putting it on or pleasing everyone around you, that's what matters. Yep. You're totally right. At the end of the day, your own opinion of you is kind of all that matters. And those people that don't like you just probably have a clinched butt. If they we're being might, honest, you know, they actually might. They totally okay, do. <laughs> For sure. They probably like to think, all joking aside, those people like that project a lot of anxiety and things like that they're generally like really tight and Mm -hmm. and that easing down, like thinking about our presentation skills and how we carry ourselves, that comes off. Like, I don't know if you've listened to any of Amy Cuddy's work of thinking about like power posing. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So it, it really shows if you're feeling that anxious and you've got yourself all tense and clenched and things, people around you are just going to feel uncomfortable and they're not going to know why. So right. if you think about people that are truly like real unhappy or, and not like, cause I've gone through depression. I've gone through like, like a lot of like that stuff aside, I'm talking about the people that are really, truly nothing pleases them. They, they, I think they get happiness from bringing other people down. So that's the kind of unhappy person I'm talking about. They are usually really clenched. So mm-hmm. like, not to, not to bring it into reality. I mean, we'll just shake them and tell them to unclench their butts a little bit. Yeah, I think, you know, we should probably start a line of bumper stickers or t-shirts. If anybody's out there that wants to merchandise unclench your butt, uh, we could do a great collaboration here. I'm excited. I'm in. I'm rebranding my website right now and like rebranding the I whole- I think we just figured out your tagline. You're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. I will credit you. You'll be under there. And I'll, I'll send you an email asking you to credit you if I can. And then we'll put you under there. Oh, man. I think we should just have a picture of the two of us where we're like, their butts are unclenched right now. <laughs> I don't know how this devolved into like a 13-year-old boys conversation, but I'm really pleased with it. 
I am too. And, and that's, that's the thing. Like if, if you're sitting there being like, what happened? Like what is going on? Legit clench. People, you're blo- the results are crazy. Like clench your butt, say hello, record yourself, just your voice, your microphone, then unclench, say hello. It drops in your resonance hits down and not to play with like the politics and the political situation and the dumpster fire that is right now. <laughs> the thinking about how everyone criticized Hillary for being shrill and in her head, like her voice was going through her head. And that happens when you carry a lot of tension. So if you're all tense, your voice is going to go up and through your head voice versus being resonant and coming where it should come. So it's, it's, it, it, there's science behind this whole butt clenching thing. I believe uh, you. I'm it on is board. a 13-year-old boy's conversation, though, and I very much enjoy it. <laughs> I am now an, a, butt, a butt unclenched disciple. I'll follow you, I'll follow you anywhere, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seriously going to make like a, a sticker or something. I think we is, have to. Yeah. I'll put it on my laptop. I mean, I think <laughs> truly, though, like at the end of the day with this conversation, the main things are like, we're probably all overthinking something. We're probably all in our own head. In all of these situations that I brought up, networking, interview, tense situation at work, it's all situations that we probably don't really want to be in if we have the choice. We're feeling uncomfortable, um, anxious. And whenever you're anxious and uncomfortable, it's almost impossible for the real you to come out and for a real conversation to happen. Mm -hmm. So if we can just find a way to drop into that unclenched butt mentality, mm-hmm. then I think things would feel less stressful and anxious and the world would be a better place. Absolutely. And, and just like, like piggybacking on that, just being yourself, it seems so daunting and it's, it does it, like, you think about like, be yourself. You're like, what is that even mean? What does that like, mean? Yeah. yeah. That's like, my- follow your passion. To where? What? Give me the next step. <laughs> right, right, right. And and that like moment of like thinking about it, and just stop taking yourself and life so damn seriously. Like it's and and thinking of this conversation too. Like we're laughing and goofing around and having fun and talking about everything that we are. And sometimes people, like adults especially, everything is like life or death. I make yeah. a mistake. It's the end of the world. It's like, no, you just feel silly for a minute and it's over and, and you feel worse than anyone else does. Right. So like take a breath and just like chill out for a moment. Everybody needs to take a deep breath, unclench and chill the hell out. I mean, yes. I think especially as it relates to careers and job hunting and searching and all of that stuff that comes with it, it is so stressful. And at the end of the day, we just have to make money so we can eat and like live inside. That's mm-hmm. kind of the main goal is food and indoor sleeping. Yes. And <laughs> when you really break it down like that, you, you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, we're all going to be okay. Now, of course, there are layers to that that are on top of it that are like fulfillment and happiness and personal satisfaction and feeling like what you do matters in the world. And those all have a good place, but break it down. Sometimes people, that's all that matters though. And that's okay. If you're a person that like all you want is to make money, to have nice things and you don't have to love your job, that is something that- is I wish awesome. I had that. That would that's, be amazing. Oh, same. I'd be and so rich right now. <laughs> exactly. And, and that's the thing. Like if that's you, then that's awesome. You don't have to try to pretend like you're changing the world or want to change the world. Like embrace that aspect and know that about you. If you want to go change the world and like make everyone a better person in a better place, by all means, rock that out. You might not always have like the best of everything, 
it's, it's kind of knowing what, what success is for you and, and really defining it because success is so personal and so is failure. Like if you actually really yeah. think like, what is success and what is failure, it's going to be a different answer for me, for you, for everyone who's listening. It's, it's all built into who that person is. And if your, if your failure is like, I don't make enough money, then yeah, you're going to get a job that makes you enough money because that's yeah. what you want. If your success is, I want to make people happy. Awesome. You're going to be okay eating like the college, non-college version of ramen once in a while or whatever. I live in LA. Let me tell you what's not cheap in LA, ramen. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was out in LA, like I'm on East Coast now and I was out in LA a couple weeks ago and I like went crazy. Like I was like, I'm just going to spend a lot of money and I'm okay with that right now. Right. Uh, you defined success for yourself on your trip here. I did. <laughs> totally right. I think that's one of the biggest things that I preach is defining like what is fulfillment and happiness actually mean to you mm -hmm. and then recognizing that you might already be there. Absolutely. Like that's best case scenario, but I wake up some days and I'm like, you know what? If this is as good as it gets, I'm okay with that. I'm mm -hmm. good. I get mm -hmm. to do what I love. I get to teach, I get to learn, I get to talk to cool people like that's kind of all I really want. Also, I want to sleep inside and eat, but I'm, I'm accomplishing that right now. So anything else is kind of just gravy at that point. It's interesting thinking about um, having that conversation, like people being success and failure. And like you said, if this is as good as it gets, that's, I'm happy with it. People ask all the time, like, where do you want to be in five years? What do you want to be doing in 10 years? And I'm like, the same thing like this? I, I don't really know how to answer that. And that's another one that's like the kitchen appliance question, I feel. It's like, I'm going to test your motivation right now. And it's like, you know what? It's, it's okay to want to do what you're doing and to just keep doing it. Like it's that's perfectly acceptable to not be an overly ambitious person. I have a lot of people in my life that are totally content with what they have, what they're doing with their job. Mm -hmm. And honestly, they're happier for it because they're not on this treadmill constantly trying to get to the next level. They're not trying to level up and beat the game and all of that stuff. I think there's a lot of beauty in that. And I think those people tend to also be the ones that are really good at being present in a situation and just finding happiness in the smaller moments. Mm -hmm. So I always say like happiness, like it's, you know, if you're running this race, right, your career is a race. Happiness is not the finish line. It's like the friend running alongside of you throughout the whole race, like cheering you on. Like you can be happy right now and mm -hmm. go about your day and your career. And I think when you come from that place, everything's better. Everything's more enjoyable, even the if, hard stuff. If that's how you are, like, and, and that's, that's right back to that, if that's how you are. Like, and, and that's the, I think the biggest hopeful takeaway from this is like, be you in that sense of, and be okay being you. Like that you, you're not gonna be someone else. Like if you're a person that's not happy with the small moments and the little things, then don't make yourself be that person. Like, keep striving for better. Keep going for something more. And if you're a person that's, like, super thrilled with a cook, I'm a person, I'm super thrilled with, like, a cookie or, like, matches. <laughs> like, I find happiness all the time. At the same time, I'm constantly pushing with my career, not to the point that it's killing me, though. So just knowing, like, who you are. And then, again, back to that, like, what is success? What is happiness? Mm -hmm. It's going to be different for you, for me, for someone else. Like I never in a million years thought I would, I left New York about two years ago. I was there for 10 years and the business is still in New York, LA and Winston-Salem. And I actually spent a lot of time in Winston because I was burning out. Like I couldn't do that hustle anymore. Yeah. And it's actually made my business better 
and stronger because I have the time to dedicate to it now. Mm. And I have that self-care time to be like, you know what? I'm going to ignore my emails tonight because it's nine o'clock and I'm going to go to bed and I will pick it up tomorrow or I'm going to play with my dog right now or I'm going to go on a trip and everything is okay. There's no improv emergencies. <laughs> there's so many people that are like, you got to constantly be hustling and working. Oh. And that's great. That's for you. That is not for me. The hashtag hustle, hustle culture is exhausting. It's I've, so hard. It's also de- like, <sighs> it's very detrimental, I think, to most of our mental state and our physical well-being. And you can only go so hard until you're going to hit a wall and you're going to be forced to take a break. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm definitely type A by nature. And I like to say, like, I moved here from the East Coast from Florida seven years ago, and LA has definitely made me like a type B plus. So I've like kind of mellowed significantly, and I'm so much happier and so much better for it. And it is, it's, I take a good amount of time throughout my week to sit around and just look around and be like, okay, what about this scenario in my life um, would feel better if it were changed? Can I change it? If yes, cool. I'm going to start taking steps to doing that. If no, then I'm cool. I'm good. Like, let's just keep this going. So your point, what are you doing in five years? Hopefully this, but like even more happy that, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. there's a level you don't even know about yet that's on its way. I'm hoping that. Absolutely. And it's just, it's, it's finding those moments and knowing where you fit in it all. And, and that's, it's really hard. And what you, what you said is so powerful of like taking a moment and thinking about different areas of your life. Like, don't think about all of it at once. Like, think about, like, one piece, like, career, like, living situation, like, love, and and really breaking it down to what you want in those situations. And then thinking about, like, if you want to tie improv into that, too, like, think about what could you do if you couldn't fail? Like, if failure wasn't an option, what would you do? And just brainstorm from that place and then see what comes out of it. And your, your advice or the way you do it, even if it wasn't meant to be advice of like, take a moment, think about one area that is, is key. I think, because often we like think of all of it as Mm -hmm. too much. Oh my gosh. The amount of people that tell me, I'm just, I need to figure out my career. It's like, what does that even mean? Like the whole thing? I would say like, if you're trying to figure out what you're going to do for the next, you know, 30 plus years ish. Like that's like picking up a novel, reading chapter one, closing it, being like, yeah, I can pretty much guess the rest of this. I got it. Like mm-hmm. there are characters that haven't been introduced yet. There are plot lines you don't know about. There are things that you're not prepared to even think about yet because you're not there yet. Mm-hmm. So I always tell people like, worry about your next move. Mm-hmm. Only the next one. You know, even five years is like an eternity. If I think about five years ago, oh God, 2012, the end of 2012, I was in a 100% completely different place in my life. And if you had paid me a million dollars, I wouldn't have been able to guess that I'd be doing what I'm doing right now or that I'm with who I'm with right now, that Mm -hmm. I live here still. I thought for sure I'd be gone from LA by now, you know? And so Mm -hmm. if everybody can just remember, like take it one day at a time, even max one year at a time and work backwards from there, constantly be checking in and not in an annoying or overwhelming way, but just in a that's kind of what the whole point of mindfulness and meditation actually is. Like you're doing a body scan, you're checking in. If you think about doing a body scan, if you will, of like your career and your relationships and your living situation, like you said, one thing at a time. And then you can start to make minor little tweaks and adjustments here and there. But absolutely. And thinking about like what career, like you said, like, what does that even mean? Like, I need to figure out my career. Like, well, what aspect of your career, like what job you want, like what place you want to work at? Like, 
what you want to be doing on a day-to-day. Like you can't just say career because if you think about like what you do on a day-to-day basis, it's never the same. Even if you work in a situation, like I worked at Target, I was a waitress, I did it like tons and tons of jobs like that. It never was the same because it's a different day. It's a different- And there are different humans. Exactly. So you can't can't predict what's going to happen because you have no idea what's going to happen. So taking it like one step and knowing what that looks like to you is, is really, really crucial to actually finding what you want to be doing. And you might find out that you're doing what you want to be doing. So just keep doing Best it. Best case scenario. Mm-hmm. I think we can distill this whole conversation into, I'm going to say it again, yes. an unclenched butt, a relaxed demeanor, check mm-hmm. in with yourself, be authentic to yourself, even though I want to just destroy the word authentic because it's so overused, but it means something still. You know, do, do you, man. That's mm-hmm. at the end of the day, just do you mm-hmm. with an unclenched butt and an open heart. This is so in like thinking about on your. I love that, and to to add to your authentic, that word is overused. If you know what it means to you, then it's worth it. Otherwise, like unapologetically yourself. Yeah. What we're we're. I mean, it's catchy and buzzy too, but that's what we respond to in the end. It's It's like know what authentic is. Like, don't say, "Well, I'm being authentic." Like, well, it's authentic. It's, right. it's a little weird. It's laughing about butt jokes. It's that sort of thing. like, whatever that is to you. I feel and like I'm, I'm living my best life in this moment right now with you. So I'm, I'm in, I know my eyes, I, I literally like, I, I heard, and I hope you didn't hear, like I had a Google voice call coming oh, yeah. in and I was like, Oh, and then I realized I'm like, Oh my gosh, it's like three 30 where she lives. So that's clearly an LA client looking at that. Nice. So. Same thing now, living my best, like best self, best happiness, and always doing something that is exciting for me, I think. I'm one of those people that needs to like do something else and not like another career. I just am like, okay, well, what next? Like, what next? Yes, and. Apps. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> tattooed on my arm. I don't know if you can sit like, there we yes. go. Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> for those of you listening, she literally has yes and on her wrist. That is amazing. Real life, I really do buy in. (laughs) Jen, this has been so fun. Way more fun than I think I meant for it to be, which is best case scenario again. Absolutely. Um, So thank you for all of your advice and everybody out there, unclench your butt right now. Be yourself. Just enjoy the ride. We're all just a bunch of idiots trying to figure it out together. So Godspeed and good luck. (laughs) Thanks so much, Jen. Hey, guys. I hope you enjoyed that episode. I had so much fun talking to Jen about butt clinching and being your authentic self and whatever that means. And I hope you did too. You can find out more about Jen by heading to the links in the show notes. She's at the engaging educator on Instagram. You can pretty much get to everything else from there. So hope you enjoyed today's episode and we will chat next time. Bye. Unclench your butt. <laughs>